Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a mushroom. And this week, we ride our bouncing brooms to a magic school with the 2017 anime Little Witch Academia. Before me and Layla have another fight about sad rich kids, remember you can help us on Mortified the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for a monthly newsletter, which does come out this week, a new newsletter this week, so... Hit us up uh, through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. You remember our friends at Studio Trigger? Uh, I think about them daily. Uh, I mean, you know, famously, the first episode of this podcast was a Studio Trigger property, uh, Kill a Kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've come so far, uh, we've, we've covered several other uh, Trigger properties, um, namely uh, Brand New Animal, um, but also, um, you know, we, we constantly reference the the hit uh, Promare, which came out in 2018? 2019? 19. 2019. God, it's been such a long three years. Um, and we decided we were going to, you know, revisit one of their, um, like, earlier projects, um, which is the, the 2017 anime uh, Little Witch Academia. Uh, I will um, just want to, you know, give listeners uh, kind of an idea of what's going on. Um, if they gave out purple hearts for podcasting, me and Layla <laughs> should are, are eligible for them. Uh, so go ahead and forward this to the podcasting, you know, awards department, <laughs> right? Um, just, you know, f- for the record, uh, I haven't, I've had one hour of sleep in the past mm, 48 hours. So, like, eh, I'm not doing great. Um so bear with us. This is going to be a little bit of a, an energy, but I am very, very excited to talk about uh, Studio Trigger and, and Little Witch. Yeah, I've done about eight hours of physical and emotional labor today, so I'm also <laughs> going to be bringing an energy to, <laughs> to the program. Um, I don't think we're going to be fighting very much about this this sad rich boy. Oh, okay. Excellent. Good. I'm glad that you've come around to the, the fuck uh, Andrew <laughs> Club, but uh, we oh, will no, get there. I, we will. Um... All right, so Little Witch Academia, 2017 Trigger Property. Um, it is about Akko, a little angel who I would die for, and how she goes to witch school because she wants to be just like her hero, Shiny Chariot, who is a witch, but she's also an entertainer. Um, and she just wants to make people happy. And she's at the school with her roommates, uh, Susie and Lote, which Aaron and I are both Team Lote. Absolutely. Uh, best character. Um and they go through, like, various adventures. Each episode is pretty much self-contained. There's uh, the one overarching plot is that um, when uh, Akko gets uh, Shiny Chariot's old wand, the shiny rod, um, there's uh, basically seven gemstones that she has to activate. She doesn't know she has to activate them. Um, but she keeps saying, intuitively stumbling upon um, these, like, seven forgotten magic phrases. And by the end of season one, she has, uh, I think, unlocked three of seven. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's hijinks, there's, um, a snooty rich girl, um, there's Amanda, the American lesbian, um, I don't know if she's supposed to be American, but she feels like... No, she's, she is American. Okay, great. I looked up their, (laughs) I looked up their nationalities, she's 100% an American. Yeah, Amanda O'Neill, and she's, she's got, (laughs) she's got, like, Yu-Gi-Oh-ass anime hair, I love her so much. (laughs) She's, Um, she's Yugi's cousin from the United (laughs) States. She's, she's Bandit Keith's, like, stepdaughter. She looks like Bandit Keith's stepdaughter daughter um yeah so but otherwise yeah and then, and then there's you know uh, uh hijinks with teachers and such um it's it's a, it's very cute it's a, it's very cute um so we should talk about our characters uh we can start with my baby akko my sweet baby my my angel akko akko's great i mean you know you know me and layla at this point y'all um she's an anime protagonist uh she's stupid uh she believes in herself and she believes in her friends um her friends are her power uh and her belief in her in her magic is her power literally the 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 whole the first line of the entire show is um believe in yourself that is your magic and like that's all you need to know about akko um the main thing that you know that you have to know about akko is that like she she goes to this witch school she you know she's not from a prestigious magic family like basically everybody else that in her school is from some sort of like lineage of of you know former witches um and like so it, it's weird that uh, akko is allowed to come to the school um especially because it doesn't seem like she has magic like the whole the whole first episode is like her not being able to fly a broom and not being able to cast spells um 
and but like you know right right in the middle of it right like right, right at the end she she unveil she like recovers this this wand this shiny rod which like yeah yeah it's 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 shiny rod we get it it's a penis thing but um like it's you know like she she is able to wield this this wand and you know we know that she can do magic because she does magic in the first episode and like you know she does this a big thing she's able to escape from this fucking cool cockatrice i love the cockatrice um and like we we get that she can do magic um and like she she hangs out with her her friends and like that that's her whole deal she's an anime protagonist she's great uh and she's stupid that's that's my favorite part about her is that she's stupid um but like that's you know she's an anime protagonist she's naruto she's she's a monkey d luffy um you know who's i think she's definitely extremely a naruto because she does like suck at school that yeah exactly yeah she she is extremely that like tries very hard um i I think she probably tries a lot harder than naruto to be fair but like (laughs) listen that that boy's never studied a day in his life um until shippuden but um i we can't get into naruto again um but yeah, no, I, I really like Akko. Uh, we'll talk about my my frustrations uh, with with Akko's character arc in the first season. But um, you know, do you have anything else to add? Before? No, I, l- I would lay down on trade tracks for her. No, like I I think we like my, probably like my favorite moment of characterization of of her um, that like I can think of right now is like there's a point where like her friends are trapped by a dragon, uh, and like she's like okay. You know, this dragon is, like, a hundred stories tall. I, I'm, i like, a flea to him. Uh, and just, like, immediately, like, she sees her friends in danger, and she just, like, flings herself at him. Uh, and the, dra- the dragon, like, immediately stops her. Like, like, you know, there was no way she was going to, like, defeat this dragon by herself. But, like, she flings herself. There's also another instance where um, there's, a, there's like, a warning sign, like, an ancient ruin that says, like, keep out, the, you know, the, the secret of the, of, you know, the north, the, the Big Dipper is behind this door, and then, like, the guy, the guy she's with is, like, oh, that means we should probably, you know, stay far away from this place, and then immediately afterwards, she crashes through the warning sign, it's like, yeah, that's Akko. I think my favorite thing about her is, uh, she does everything out of spite, so, like, uh, there's, you brought up the, uh, uh, we'll get into Andrew, but, like, she goes to, like, she had no interest to attending this party until these three girls came out of the car, pulled over specifically to bully her, and they're mm-hmm. like, ooh, you can't go to the party, you're too poor, and Akka was like, you want a bet? <laughs> and no interest in the party goes anyway, and then at the party, like, you know, uh, uh, tells the rich boy off out of spite, uh, she says she's gonna be the moonlit witch at the, at the Samhain festival out of spite, like, everything she does, even the dragon thing, like, she leaps into this dragon's hand, and this dragon catches her, and she's like, oh my god, please don't eat me, I'm not very tasty at all, and he's like, yeah, you're, you'd barely be a snack, you don't look like you taste good at all, she goes, actually, fuck you, I'm delicious. <laughs> yes, that was and another great moment. I respect that so much. Uh, um, yeah. That's our protagonist. That's Akko. That's my baby. Uh, My other baby, Lote. Lode fucking owns. All right. Lode Lode, uh, Janssen. She's Finnish. I I looked this up. Um, Her whole deal is like she's pretty content being uh, a side character. Um, Like her her motivations are are pretty humble. Like she she comes from like a family who owns like a magic item repair shop, I believe. Um, and like her whole deal is like, she just, you know, wants to go to school to help like learn, learn the craft and be able to like keep up her family business. Um, but like, there's this bit in the the fourth episode, which is like one of my favorites actually, where essentially she goes to meet fantasy Stephanie Meyer, um, and fantasy Stephanie Meyer, like hands her a pen. And she's like, okay, great. You write <laughs> novel 366 of, um, uh, they call it, what do they call it? Um, What's the episode name? It they, it's not New Moon because actually New Moon is the name of their school. Uh, it's Luna Nova, which is very good. Um, it's called Nightfall, um, but like it is explicitly stylized as as a Twilight thing. Yeah, like the um, font is Twilight font. Yeah, yeah but like they, it, it's like basically Doctor Who meets Twilight, um, and like she basically gets the opportunity to become the the author of this series, um, and she explains like I don't want to do that like. Like, she, she has to explain this to Akko because Akko's whole deal is that she idolizes uh, Shiny Chariot, right? The the person whose wand she found. Um, but she's like, I don't want to do the thing that my idol does. I'm completely fine, like, benefiting from, you know, their their product. And, like, 
you know, I, I, if I, you know, was able to, if I wrote the story, then like, I would know what's happening. It would spoil the surprise for me. And I would, I would hate that. Um, and like, you know, that's, that's such a very interesting thing. And like in anime, right. I love to see when somebody's like, no, you don't, you know, we get, you got, we get idols a lot again to go back to the show that must not be named. Right. Naruto is so, um, you know, wants to be like the fourth Okage, um, Right, we get our like Monkey D. Luffy wants to be like, uh, you know, the the man with the hat, the, you know, in the first episode, red hair man. I don't know, um, but like it, everybody wants an idol, right, in in anime, and I love that Lote's whole deal is like, no, I'm fine being a a normie and like just benefiting from from other people, and like Lote is also the only good friend in this show. I think I think yes. Lote needs better roommates because like I love Akko, but she's a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I also like uh there was a I think one of my favorite episodes is, is the the one where they go to the party like they break into the the B B affection. Which, yes. How dare they not call that B mine? Yeah, how come on. How dare they? It was the pun is right there. Mm-hmm. But um uh in it uh four B the Cupid B sp- stings four boys and all of them fall in love with Lote and then, you know, the Akko smashes the bee and, and the spell breaks. And Lote, she's sad about it, but she's not like, you know, she's just like, no, well, you know, whatever. And my boy Frank, my sweet boy Frank, my angel Frank, Frank, my perfect son, is immediately like, we should go on a date. And I was like, yes, this is the matchup I want. I want them together. They are so, they're both the only decent people with brain cells in this entire program. Um... And you know what Lote does? She goes, hey, we don't know each other. Maybe we should be friends first. I was like, you are an angel. Lote kicks ass. Like, yeah, I, you know, Frank is a little bit of a fuck boy. Um, but like, you know what? I think Lode, I think Lode, he, Lode, or, you know, I think Lode can fix him. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's fair. I love Frank. Frank's, <laughs> he's, a, he's such a good compliment to Andrew, who we'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You don't like Susie very much. So this is this is a thing that we'll talk about later in our talking points, but like, Susie is not a good friend. Like, one, she starts the show by trying to kill both Lote and, and Akko by putting them in a trap um, and then making her say in the cockatrice language, yo, fuck cockatrices, you know, say, basically like saying cockatrice slurs. Uh, <laughs> um, and then the cockatrice is like, hey, what the fuck? Uh, and, you know, tries to kill them. Uh, while she like collects the feathers, I was like, okay, that's not great. And like, basically, the the whole the whole show like kind of has her like being like, oh, well, you know, Akko's so stupid, and like, oh, Akko's you know a pain in the ass. She doesn't know when to quit. Um, and like, um, I I really wanted there was an episode where they go into her mind, like they we they do the thing that I immediately was like, oh, this is a thing that happened in Teen Titans. I'm not, and I don't want to say that like, oh, they copied off Teen Titans because I think you know. If you're going to do a TV show, you could probably do an episode where you go into the interiority of a character that is, like, famously, you know, snarky and, and closed off and, like, see what their interiority is like. I think that's interesting. And, like, if, if you, you know, do it in a, in a fairly novel way, it, it's, you know, it's fine. Right. I'm sure Teen Titans is the first one, but it's the one that, that you know, touchstones me. But, like, they go into her interiority and, like, they don't get any... There's not... It, it is too... You know, they, they give her too many facets, Right. Basically, they give her good conscience and her bad conscience, uh, both of which want to murder um, Akko, which is like, hmm, you know, all right, okay. Um, but like the rest of rest of that is just like her, her like various like thousands of personalities, and it's a very weird episode that I did not like. But like, like if you're gonna give you know one of your side characters an episode fully devoted to them, I really wanted to see more interiority and more about their motivations, and like basically her whole motivation is, like, find cool poison mushrooms. And, like, that's fine, but I, I really wanted something more, and maybe that's my fault for expecting more and, like, being, like, not not understanding, like, the joke is that, like, yeah, you know, um, Susie, like, kind of, like, is mean to, to Akko, but, like, it's in a joking, like, they love each other way. But, like, I just, I could never get there. How did, how did you feel about uh, Susie? Um, I actually love Susie. I think she's, her her vibes are fucking immaculate. Um, but I think I, and you were even wrote this in your notes. I think I went into this show 
from the because we both tried to watch it once upon a time and both dropped off for various reasons mm-hmm. um but i remembered how like cartoony kids show this was and so like i really wasn't like bothered by the the like murder like it all seemed very cartoony for me and so um like my favorite susie moment is the, so at the at the festival they draw um sacrifice duty like they have to get eaten and excreted by a ghost and lote is just like oh fucking fine whatever and akko's like this is humiliating i told you guys not to let me pick the lot i always have bad luck um Susie is like actually I'm excited (laughs) I want to get shitted out by this ghost and like at one point they're inside the ghost and they're just like rolling through it's like ghost intestines and Akko and Lote look just they're just horrified they don't want to be there (laughs) Susie Susie's face kills me like it's she's just grinning she's like hell yeah (laughs) moving through this ghost esophagus um I didn't like this episode that you were just talking about. Like, I hate Wonderland shit. Um, however, <laughs> it is the second time uh, the other show that must not be named gets referenced, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which the first time it gets referenced is actually in the Twilight episode with Lote, because Lote <laughs> does the Gendo Ikari pose. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And Aaron has a screenshot of that. We'll put it on the Twitter. But, like, um, the second time is in CC in Wonderland, and, and it's when the sky turns red and there's, like, that huge creature. Um, that's, like, that... I looked at that once. I was like, this is the huge Evangelion vibes. And, like, um, the, 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 the guy who made this, uh, uh, Yo Yoshinari, like, w- worked on the original Ava. Like, yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's from that back then. Like, well, he, he was well, a key animator on, on Ava. So, uh, Ava comes from Gainax, and there's a ton of Gainax alumni at Trigger. So, like, okay. nobody should be surprised by this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love, I love Susie. Um, you also don't like Ursula very much. I think Ursula is an adult and should take care of her fucking... <laughs> she invented the guidance counselor role for herself. Um, it made it her personal goal to protect sweet Akko. Um, and, like, listen, uh, again, this is me, like, not fully engaging with the cartoonishness of this show, um, which I think is really, truly a personal problem. Um, but, like, there's a bit where, like... <laughs> It's really funny, actually. Um, like, Lote, L- or uh, Akko is like, oh, no, I've been failing all my classes because, like, her whole thing is that she can't do magic. And then she's like, oh, but I have this one class. It's, like, philosophies of magic. Um, and, like, it's a really easy class. Like, I don't, like, you just stare at a goldfish all day. And then, like, everybody, like, looks at her and they're like, uh, are you talking about uh, our professor? Professor Pisces. It's Professor Pisces. Um, and, like, the whole goof is that, like, uh, Akko's been showing up to class and just being like, so we're supposed to watch this fish. And, like, it, it, she she ends up nearly murdering this fish lady and, like, she redeems herself. It's fine. Um, but, like, the one of the students explains, like, oh, you know, I, I'm, like, you know, a master level in fish language. Like, they... They, they only let, like, students that are, like, highly trained in fish language take this course. And I was like, I cannot, like, your your guidance counselor couldn't tell you, like, hey, don't sign up for this course. Like, come the fuck on. Like, listen, it's no wonder fucking Luna Nova's crumbling. Their their academic infrastructure is just terrible. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like, um, I, I, I just feel like there, there were times where Ursula could have stood up more for for Lote or not Lote I keep thinking Lote is the protagonist for, <laughs> she, for, should be the, she should be the protagonist of something <laughs> yeah no I, I want the Lote spinoff but um for, for Akko I feel like there were moments where she could have like stood up a little bit more for Akko um but again like this is a this is a car this is a much more cartoony and we'll talk about who we think it's for in a bit but like I I do think that like a lot of this stuff could be hand waved and I, and I am nitpicking in a way that I'm not proud of um, so like, I don't, I don't want it to come across as like, I don't like it. It's just like, I am used to engaging with a media that is not for a younger audience. Right. Although, despite our hour long treatise on Alpha and Omega last week. Um, well, arguably Alpha and Omega is not for children. Actually, that's true. <laughs> it is a giant sex metaphor. Um, uh, so... Yeah, I mean, okay, so Ursula is also uh, Shiny Chariot. She is Shiny Chariot. And you get a glimpse of that um, 
in the episode where uh, we we briefly mentioned it earlier, but when when uh, Akko ends up at the Fountain of Polaris um, and she like you know busts down that door with a bear behind it, um, Ursula like saves them, and you see her hair turning from red to blue for just like a couple of frames, and you go what? Mm-hmm. And then later you start to notice that like she is straight up like shiny chariot. Um, I, yeah, she's very cartoonish. She, I respect it only because, like, she is clearly a lady in her 20s that has no idea what's going on and has to pretend she knows what's going on. And I get it. Hold on. Wait, yeah, I got, I got to look up her age real quick because, like, that would actually change my entire opinion. Because, like, uh, the girls, you know, uh, Akko is 16. Um, Ursula. I got the Little Witch Academia wiki up. Um, her age is, is... It's not listed. Fuck. I mean, How she, they do she reads me? as in her early 20s. I was going to say, like, no, she extremely reads like somebody. She, we know that she disappeared 10 years ago um, from from when the the story takes place. So, like, when Akko, you know, when Akko was, like, you know, six, I guess. Um, but, like, she does extremely read as somebody in their, like, er, early to mid-20s, which, like, um, you know, I, I I don't know, but, like, it is very much like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, I have some level of competence, but I don't have the confidence behind it yet. Um, and there's, like, some season two stuff that kind of explains, you know, what's going on there that we won't talk about. Um, but, like, yeah, very, um, you know, very uh, chaotic energy <laughs> around Ursula. Yeah, I, I do love her, though. Um uh, so Diana, I love to hate because Diana's personality sucks, but she is so extremely competent in a very like not like a fake way. Like you know, sometimes people will write these like bitchy characters and they're, they're like actually useless. Diana is actually useful. She's the only one who can read the dragon contract. She ace attorneys the shit out of out of the dragon finance bro. Um, she like runs the Samhain festival. She's she is genuinely just like a rich reclusive like, obsessive student of magic. And, like, her personality sucks shit because she's pretentious, but, like, she's also not, like, you know, a lot of people write a rich character, they're, like, perfect, right? Perfect hair. They're, like, charming and friendly and they have so many friends and they're, like, you know at least are like popular in some way she's she's popular but she doesn't have many friends like she's not she's not friendly people just come to her because she's competent um and kind of takes no shit so people admire her but they're not necessarily her friends um and like i think the end of season one kind of gets into the fact that she's a little bit like not jealous of akko but she's like almost fascinated by how her friends relate to her and she like almost doesn't understand how akko can find success um, in any way, shape, or form, uh, through anything but studying, um, and I, like, every time she's on screen, I'm like, oh my god, it's Diana again, but, but she always has reason to be there, and, like, you have to be like, god damn it, we needed you, Diana, (laughs) which I respect. No, I, I like Diana a lot. Diana, it might be, like, my, my second favorite character in this, just because, like, I really like the, the the dynamic that you described, right? Like, Diana is, like, functionally, uh, you know, a Mary Sue, right? Like, she's, she is extremely, you know, like, competent, and, like, basically, she, like, notes, she corrects a teacher on the first day of class, like, she knows, she knows, like, time magic and shit, like, she's, like, way, way OP, um, but also, like, especially in that first scene when we get andrew like we we get this hint that like she is not nearly as like charming and perfect and like you know you know um the the role model that everybody holds her up to be because like like we see the way that she interacts with this person that everybody's like oh you definitely have to match with him and like they're both just like yeah no we don't want anything to do with each other and like uh, like you said i I really wish you know i i i think this this first season should have been a couple episodes shorter uh, or at least like done an episode that was much more a deep dive into Diana. Um, if they if they were just gonna do, there's like some filler episodes that were were not good. Um, but like, you know, I really was really interested in the way that they portrayed Diana because it was, in my opinion, was read very sympathetic when um, Akko she gets tricked by the, this mirror turns her into Diana uh, for a moment and like she she like looks like Diana and like for you know, a couple hours, she's, like, wandering around campus, and, like, in that moment, um, like, people start, like, coming up to her, and, like, please, Diana, can you do this thing for me? Oh, Diana, you're so great, can you do this thing for me? And, like, 
like like you know she starts getting irritated and i wish they had kind of dug into that more and put a little bit more of a pin on it because like you know this this show is not subtle general actually i don't know the the, the ursula stuff was kind of subtle but um you know it, it, it takes you know the when you open when you open a thing with like hey here's the main theme of my my show it's like okay this is going to be like kind of straightforward uh, but i do wish that they had really uh hammered home more, more diana stuff because i just i really like her as a character i think that because she's not completely villainized right we get moments of empathy like the very like last scene of of the season where um you know akko and lote and uh susie are all like standing together and like cheering after they you know d- defeat the the big ghost um like they're all in these like bright lights and like diana who is like being told like oh you won this um you know, winter queen, you know, Sasawan queen thing or whatever. Like she is like in complete shadow. She is alone except for like the, the person telling her the message. And it's like, I loved the way that they drew that contrast because it's like, and and, like Diana like gets like a moment to just like, look like there's no dialogue. She just kind of like looks at Akko. And like, I, I was like, maybe that's a gay thing. Maybe they're setting that up like that. That's kind of the way that I interpreted it. But also like, even if, even if it's not, you know, I, I really, I just really like Diana a lot. Uh, I think she is like, she is, you know, like, uh, she's like Satsuki Kiring, but like not, not sexualized, which is, you know, uh, ideal in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Diana, uh, but you know, she is, she does annoy me in, in, in the way she's supposed to annoy me. Yes. Uh, in that like rich girl kind of way. Speaking of rich kids. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Andrew, oh, Andrew's on my shit list constantly. This motherfucker. This, Um, I do like his introduction because everyone's like, ooh, uh, the prime minister, whatever the fuck, the senator's handsome. He's a, a, technically he's a count. The count's a handsome son and everyone's like, Mm -hmm. ooh, so handsome. I can't wait to meet him. And then we meet him when he's some like a lawyer looking motherfucker. He's just small. (laughs) And like, like, he looks like he looks like a lot of kids I knew at my private Catholic high school, which is to say, like, is going to get their law degree paid by their parents. Which, like, listen, I can't, I can't throw shade uh, because of the way that my parents financed my education. But like, very much like, oh yeah, like yeah, he's just one of those guys, and like he, he's very plain. And I think both me and Layla were like, is this, is this what attractive is? Yeah, right. Especially, like, for Trigger, who, uh, uh, they, like, listen, Shiro from BNA, call me. Like, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know how else to put that. Like, that is a handsome, sad wolf. And, uh, yeah, yeah, hold on. (laughs) If If the count was, like, had a sad backstory. Would he? Would that do it for you? No, that would not. No, would not at all do it. Because he's mean to Akko. Yeah, no, because like, he fucking sucks. <laughs> like he does get. I love when dignified characters get put into undignified situations, and Akko does accidentally turn him into like a donkey man, which I thought was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he does get a good. Like, here's the thing. Every time he enters a scene, he sucks shit. He's mean to Akko. He, like, kicked her out of his rich people party. He's like, oh, you weren't invited. Which, like, bitch, y'all just had some bonding times. I don't understand why you're so mean to her again all of a sudden. Um, and he's just, like, pretentious and cold. And Frank is, his friend Frank is always just like, bro, you gotta lighten up. And he won't. Um, you know, he's a daddy's boy because his dad is, hates witches or whatever. Um, <laughs> we do get moments of, like, he used to play the piano and, like, the only reason he doesn't is because his dad told him to stop and he, like, didn't question it. But Akka was like, you're a fucking coward. Um, and I think he, like, internalized part of that. And it gets, like, like his momentum is so slow. Um, but I think my favorite scene with him is when they're they're running from that bear and Akko's, like, hanging onto him by his belt. And they're, like, hanging off a precipice and she's, like, pulling his pants down. And she's like, I'm so sorry! And he's like, it's fine. And she's like, you probably think I planned this! And he's like, no, I promise you, I don't. There's, like, hey, no sh- fucking way. <laughs> Statistically, you could have planned this instance. <laughs> hey, straight up, if you had built a Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine, it would have been more likely <laughs> to have worked than this instance. Like, that's such a fucking good moment. I loved that. Um, it's It's really good. Um, but like, uh, here's the thing about, um, Andrew, I really liked him in episode six, 
when they introduce him and like he has this weird dynamic with with diana um and like he you know he's like finds himself fascinated by by akko um in episode 10 he fucking sucks um because like this is the one where like he you know the, the bee goes around and stings them and andrew is just like you know he he gets he gets stung and like oh he falls in love with uh with akko and like okay sure right maybe like you know akko is suddenly flustered because you know the this guy that she you know has complicated feelings about um you know is all of a sudden professing his love like right because previously he was about to kick her out of of his you know this party because of his dad um and like but all of a sudden you know she's she's flustered and they run around um but like there there's that really cool moment where he, he he you know he's caught between this like you know love for Akko and his like loyalty to his father and there's like a really cool moment about the piano and like I really loved that piano moment um because like well because he like his dad was like you know I told you to you know stop playing the piano 10 years ago um because like you you shouldn't do frivolous things uh and then um Akko's just like why don't you stand up to your dad and then he goes and he He's like, you know what? You're right. Um, and like, Akko is like trying to chase this bee around, um, and like in front of this ballroom of all these like you know normie like dignitaries, he's like, uh, listen, there's a witch here. Uh, she's gonna help us catch this like you know dangerous bee. Um, but while she does that, let me play you the flight of the bumblebee on this piano, uh, which is like a really really good moment of characterization. I really like that moment. It fucking slaps. Um, you know, because of the ways in which it shows that, like, you know what, he's not just a daddy's boy, you know, listens to whatever his dad says. He, he is, you know, not just going to listen to, you know, he, he, there is a way for him to compromise. Um, and then once the bee is killed, he immediately makes this turn and it, and it sucks ass, especially because of the translation. So in the translation, because I, I had the, you know, translation from Japanese on, um, like I was watching it subbed or dubbed in English, but with the Jap- subtitles of the Japanese English. Yeah. Um, Same. okay. So like, did you notice that like, th- there are some like weird differences? Like, it's so just a, it's just a mouth flaps thing. Like, like if you were to put that dialogue to that animation, the mouth flaps wouldn't match up. Okay. So they have to change the wording to get it as close as they can. It does like sometimes it's odd, and sometimes I'm like, are we sure those mouth flaps mouth flaps didn't fit? But like it's 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 a technical thing. It's not like a um, translation thing. Okay, because like the wording, like in episode six, like when he's talking to his dad, and he's like, his dad's like, well, you know, I don't, I think witches are basically useless, but you know, he says in English, it's important to you know earn political allies. The Japanese text says it's important to keep your opponents close, which is like okay, that those are wildly different meanings. And in in this episode, episode ten, when when he's confronting uh, Akko after the bee is killed, he and he he you know he's like um, you know uh, I I want you to get out you know like and she's like oh you know like you you don't think you don't think that I'm great or whatever I don't remember what she says but basically in English he says you know uh, I work hard unlike you. In Japanese, he says, I'm civilized, unlike you, which, like, that that is wildly different. So, like, I, you know, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it is uh, a translation thing, but I, uh, I, anytime I see that word, you know, my, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. So, yeah. like, it definitely colored my, my opinion of, of him. There's a lot of, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of layers of translation and context and cultural context there that, like, we're obviously not getting. So I try I try to give things like that the benefit of the doubt. But, um, yeah, Andrew is a rare rich boy that I am not immediately rooting for. Isn't that wild? Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he, he sucks a lot. <laughs> he does. He does. But I've, I've, def- I've defended some sucky motherfuckers on this, on this program. I suppose that's true. Um... Next up is our the fucking Bandit Keith's stepdaughter, <laughs> Amanda O'Neill. USA baby. Um, how, so how do you, I hate to do fucking shipping here, but like it seemed like you, I both, I mean, I think both of us were like, hey, are they gonna make Amanda and um and Akko like an item? Well, you see, okay, so let's look at the history of Trigger. Um, Kill the Kill ends in lesbians. Promare is a movie about. Queer, queers. Let's just let's. They're gay. They Two kiss. men that kiss and they like it. Yeah, let's just keep it there. Um, and then BNA ends in lesbians. 
So, like, I'm always primed for... Do you not remember? She gets together I... with her childhood friend. Oh, yeah. I vague... yeah. Man, man, we've done so much media for this program. Holy shit. No, you're right, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, when I when a trigger property, I'm, I'm, I'm always primed for queerness. Like, I'm always ready to, to come in and witness some... some uh, some queer behavior. Uh, so, like, when Amanda and, and Akko, like, kind of overcame their, their little spat that they had, and they did their little handshake, and, and Amanda was, like, so quick to save Akko from danger a couple of times, I'm like, is this it? Is this our queer couple? Um, but then, like, Akko has some romantic vibes with Andrew, so I'm, I'm like, truly unsure, because Amanda was pretty a- absent from the second half of the season. Yeah, I really, again, like, a thing where they could have cut a whole one of those filler episodes and done something more interesting with one of their side characters because like we get introduced to amanda with the like the shackled broom like there's a cool relay race and amanda like steals this like evil broom um that like you know only like the best pilots can fly or whatever and like she's you know the best you know flyer um i really like amanda i think she's a very interesting character because, like, she could be, you know, the number one, you know, a flyer at, at school, but, like, she flies too recklessly, um, and, you know, like, that's why she gets, like, C's in that class, is because the teacher's like, why why aren't you just, you know, why don't you just, like, calm down and, like, play it safe, and she's like, I don't want to do that, and, like, both her and, um, and, you know, and Akko in the beginning are set up as, like, tr- they say the word try hard, but I don't think that's right. I, I don't. I, I think that they should have used a different word because I don't think either of them. I guess Akko is is a little bit of a try hard, but you know Amanda certainly is not. Um, but like I I really liked you know Amanda is a very interesting character in, in her relationship to like what she wants. Which is just like she just wants to like fucking fly brooms and do six stunts and like, but also is like when you know she helps. Um, you know, she also is like, you know, fuck Diana, you know, I really wish we got more of like the other kids. Cause like Diana, like everybody like loves Diana, but like there would absolutely be like a group of people that was like, you know, everybody fuck Diana fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> and I wish we got more of that. There, there, there are some background characters. I wish we got more fleshed out like fucking Constance, um, <laughs> Amelie von Braunschweig, Alsbrechner. <laughs> who I only bring up because she does have a rocket propelled grenade. In, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, I, Amanda is one of those characters I wish we got more of. Um, uh, so we're in the shout out section. I do want to shout out the finance dragon. Uh, he's fantastic because like, <laughs> as soon as he gets revealed to be this like crotchety old man, he just has like a billion monitors, monitoring stocks. <laughs> right because the, the whole thing is that, like oh they stole the magic stone that gives them their magic powers the dragons did so like you know akko and uh, amanda try to do this break into into this castle um and you know they're like oh no the dragon's gonna eat us and they, he's got all our friends um and the dragon's like no did i don't care about you um did the school send you with my money and they're like wait wait well what money uh and it's like it, it's a theme it, that's revealed is that like the school is is going broke um, like that's why put a pin in that yeah think about that because like that's, that's originally why akko got accepted in in theory that's a rumor i don't know if that's true or not but well, like put a second pin in that yeah the, the theory is that like akko got accepted to this school because they, they're running on hard times and they're just letting anybody in um but like in this in this instance where they they talk to the dragon they're like hey we are making one tenth of what we made in the golden age of um they don't say animation, but they, the golden age of magic. Um, yeah, and, that's, and that's the second pin. Let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's like, I, I don't care. I. <laughs> he has this fucking. He looks like what's the man from Mass Effect Two? The it, it's not the elusive man, the shadow broker. He looks like the shadow broker from Mass Effect Two with this fucking huge screen full of like stocks, and I was just like, oh my god, it's so funny. Like this dude would hundred percent is deep into Bitcoin. <laughs> um, just the fucking funniest reveal, uh, and they're all like, please, Mister Dragon, how, spare us. How, you have so much money. He's like, yeah, uh, you know, there's not. You know, the magic is you know, with science. You know, magic. You don't need. You don't need magic anymore. You know, me, me and you. You know, witches and dragons. They're not going to need us anymore because they got. <laughs> we got the blockchain. <laughs> we got. We got CGI in the blockchain, baby. 
Um, anyway, Crypto Dragon rules. I, I, I loved Crypto Dragon so much. Yeah, and then you also have a shout out for Great Ben eighty one hundred three from uh, uh, the episode Nightfall four. Episode. Um, yeah, this is just like a cosplay person that like is is Lote's like um, you know internet friend. They both show up at um, essentially DashCon and they are dressed like a giant Big Ben. It fucking rules. Um, you know, I just I just love the the idea that's like you know they're they're both <laughs> they just put an entire character that in a. They never reveal their face. It's just, it's just a person in a Big Ben outfit. And it's like, yeah, you know what? That person would be getting extreme props at the cons. Uh, shout outs to Great Ben 8103. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's it. Those are our characters. Yeah, it only took us 40 minutes to talk about. Listen, there's a lot of good ones. We have to talk about how much we love Lotte. It's important. Yeah, well, I'm glad we, we spent... Uh, all the time like listen the fact that we are able to talk for 40 minutes about the characters alone lets you know that this is a substantive property um and so when we get into the criticism portion know that we are doing it you know genuinely with with love in our hearts so but Layla, they they bring up at the very end they they talk about how the nine old witches um olde founded uh luna nova academy and I was like, okay, that's a weird thing to bring up, but sure. And Layla was like, oh, this is a reference to something in in their notes. And Layla, why don't you break this down for me? Because I had never heard of this thing. Hi. So Little Witch Academia is a show about 2D animation. Um, Nine Old Witches is, I think, it would be such an insane coincidence if it's not what they meant. It's a reference to Disney's Nine Old Men. Um, which is just, like, a group of, like, animators, um, like, like, original old hat names in the Disney studio who, like, founded the legacy, basically. Um, and they worked in short-hand features, and, and it features people like, if you know animation, you'll know Milt Call, Mark Davis, Ward Kimball, um, uh, Frank Thomas, like, those are, those are, like, more famous names from, from that group. Um, they worked on uh, things like Lady and the Tramp, Cinderella, Pinocchio. Like, they, they're really, like, when you think of Disney's golden age, you really think of, of the nine old men. Um, and, and I had kind of, like, been getting, like, an inkling that there's some, like, meta conversation about animation happening in this show. But, like, <laughs> when Diana busted, she's like, I need a book on the nine old witches. I'm like, there's no way that that's not a reference to nine old men. And um, the reason I, 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 I was starting to kind of think it was a show about animation was because um, there's a moment where Andrew, um, you know, asks Akko, he's like, okay, well, what is the benefit of magic? Like, what can magic do that science can't? Like, like name one thing. And Akko, like, genuinely struggled. She struggled to name something that magic could do better than science. Um, but... Eventually, she comes to the conclusion that there's only there's some things only magic can do, um, and just because it isn't necessary stuff like science doesn't mean it it doesn't like bring joy to people, which is her whole thing. Uh, you know, she wants to be an entertainer, um, and you know there was that finance dragon who was talking about the bottom line a lot, and the school is in a lot of financial trouble, and there's a lot of like talk about just like the uniqueness of magic in this context and like. The fact that it does things in a special way. And, like, listen, again, Studio Trigger, Friends of the Pod. Um, like, we talk a lot about, how, you know, their their properties. And they're all 2D. Like, Promare uses 3D, but but Trigger is a 2D studio. Like, they, they specialize in 2D animation. And, um, you know, j just because the American Monopoly is very Disney-focused and, and very 3D animation-focused doesn't mean that that's the case in the global animation market. Um, France and Japan, for example, still putting out a lot of 2D properties. Um, so the, 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 <laughs> the, the nine old witches thing really set me off, um, on, on that, uh, train of thought. And like, here, here's the thing, like, it completely makes sense if you think about the, the th through line that Luna Nova is running out of money. Like they, they set it up in the very first episode and it is a continuing through line. You know, they talk about how. You know, the, there, there's a bit where it's like, oh, well, you know, you all, you all, I, you know, Akko got caught stealing uh, a tart um, 
because like she she was like the food you guys give us is bad and they're like well we can't afford better food it's like oh things are really bad here at old ln uh lna um and like you know it becomes a thing like I constantly like there, there's all these like you know the stuff with andrew and his shitty dad they're like you know like you said science is 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 taking over right we don't we don't need these these people anymore um like even at the very end all these old people um that, that like judge this contest the the Samhain festival every year they're like oh man this festival is lame every every year it's so boring um you know, and like they, they finally get brought around to it by our protagonists um, and, and Diana, of course. Um, but like, like I, I'm not sure what kind of message they're trying to impart about animation, but there is definitely a, a clear through line that's like, you know, you know, I don't know if, if you can talk about this, Layla, but like the, the New Deal for animation is a thing that's been going around. Uh, I've seen on, on Twitter, um, but like it seems like. You know, the animation industry, you know, even back in, in 2017 when this came out, five fucking years ago, good lord, um, you know, was struggling, right? And and I hope that, you know, as, you know, we see a, a sweeping wave of unionization across the United States, like, we're going to start to get better working conditions. Um, but, like, yeah, I... I, I think that it is impossible not to not to see this, this this direct through line. I mean, I think it's a very specific message, which is the it's a a um, fight against the notion that two D specifically is antiquated and useless, because um, it doesn't shy away from calling magic quote unquote two D animation as something that's antiquated and takes a lot of effort and maybe isn't as efficient or, or, you know, does things that are maybe redundant to, like, newer ways of doing stuff. But it does rely on the fact that there's some things that only magic can do in the sense of, like, uh, some things that it, it does in a very special way or a, a very specific joy it brings to people. So I think it's it's very specifically about that, that, like, uh, uh, like anti-modernization, almost not not anti-modernization. That's that's a bad way to put it, but um, like this this resistance against three D being king, because there should be room for two D in the market. Um, and uh, but but you know you brought up the New Deal for animation. You know, just like a PSA for people. If you don't know about it, it's it's literally just um, a lot of animators are getting mistreated, especially by streaming giants. Which this was, you know would have been a bold move considering this is a netflix exclusive um <laughs> but streaming giants will order multiple seasons of television shows all at once for very low rates uh, you know asking for the lowest bidder from animation studios um you know that's how the conditions under which um like voltron was made for example you know ordering multiple seasons animators are just not getting a fair deal because their union contracts are not inclusive of quote-unquote new media um, so there's a big rally now to, to make sure that the streaming giants, which are making bank, and let's remember the animation industry kept the entire Hollywood industry solvent through COVID when no one could film, and it had to be animation, because that you could actually make animation from home. Um, you know, it, it, it's animators arguing for fair pay. If you didn't know, by the way, like animators, live action people get residuals from their work. So if you make a movie and that movie makes any amount of money, you, like a union grip will continue to get residuals i mean depending on the union contract i, I don't want to be you know if i'm wrong about that let me know but um like i know my friend gets residuals checks who works in live action um animators don't i've made two seasons of the tv show i've not gotten a single penny after my salary and my contract oh, is over. shit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, and lastly you know to cap it off the, the whole show hinges on like a focus on you know how you cannot achieve success alone like camaraderie is really the way camaraderie and mentorship uh is the way to to and be like successful both both of those it's not an yes. and or it's it's camaraderie and mentorship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and you know excellent excellent great points alayla um anyway time for me to get in my fucking curmudgeon corner uh, so let's let's talk about who this is for because i I, we always we always say like you know we always have this conversation um but like i think i think you're going to be able to drill down who the audience for this was better than i can it's kids you really think this is a kids show i think it's a kids show made by the same people who made kill la kill <sighs> that is uh it's just so hard for me to 
right? Because there are just some moments that are very scary, and like there, there are these little subtle bits, like the thing with Ursula's hair, like the thing with Diana, like ah, kids can pick just, up on subtle stuff. I guess that's true. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm sure you're right. You know, I just like it. Just seems like th- there are just some weird tonal shifts at times. So I was like, like especially with the um the ghost in the the cavern right the one that like um there's a lot of ghosts in this episode in this show but like the one that first presents itself as as chariot and then turns into a big scary ghost and then is actually just like a tree teacher um but like i um that that sequence i thought was just was like pretty scary um like and like i know maybe i'm just like I'm personally a very sensitive person, so, like, maybe that's why. Maybe maybe I'm just, like, hypersensitive. But, like, if I was a kid, that would scare the shit out of me. I grew um, up on The Secret of Nim, baby. That owl is so... Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, but I, I, I think I saw it too young to remember it. Okay, I think we should maybe consider watching it for this program. Um, I think... Yeah, we gotta. I'm gonna put it on the list. It... That owl is fucking scary there is a time like the the mice get injured it is very scary like kids can handle scary do you ever courage the cowardly dog okay actually good point that's a fucking horror show (laughs) yeah so like kids can like goosebumps you know what i mean kids can handle i think i think you and i um are very sensitive very caring people and i think we're, we're very protective of like we've we've had these streaks before right where where we're like oh this is for kids like are we sure or like younger characters even we're like these are children kind of thing um i think we got to remember that like kids can handle that shit um but this is like definitely for kids i think the thing is it's it's a show for kids by people who are inexperienced with children's media that is an excellent way to put it i think i think that that is a very good way to frame this because like you know, despite the weird the weird tonal stuff, despite like all the references that are absolutely not meant to be gotten by kids, but like maybe maybe their parents who are watching, um, I think you're right because this is ultimately a kids show, and like that part just graded on me so much, and like might have been the original reason I bounced off because like I you know I took the the relationships at face value, um, and like I bet I bet you there's like you know some fucking like you know uh, eight eight to four year olds who love lote or not lote um i think it's a little i think it's a little older than that i think it's like like probably middle school age like like nine to 14 probably okay that that makes more sense to me because i I was gonna say like this is this is probably you're right i think like tweens like like going into like like early teens that that's a that's a very good frame because like you know still young enough to like be like okay cartoons are, are fun but like trying to get into those more complex themes um yeah, no, I think I think you're right. We we are old people, and it's been so long since I worked with kids. I, you know, ki- kids are are resilient. They they shouldn't necessarily have to be, but ki- kids are way tougher, especially when it comes to media than I than I think that I, you know, remember um, being. <laughs> I was a stupid kid though, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I watched some wild shit when I was a kid. I mean, I watched Teen Yasha in the third grade for crying out loud. You know what I mean? And and. There's some there's some violence in that show. Uh, there's some there's some spooky shit. I watched Secret of Nim when I was a little girl. I honestly like the forest sequence in Snow White is pretty fucking scary to a kid. Um, That's true. But yeah, I I think the thing when we say kids media, I think it's it's valuable to remember that there's a lot of subsections of that. Like kids media could be anything from like zero to sixteen. Um, and, you know, preschool is its own subsection, elementary is its own subsection, like nine to thirteen is its own subsection. Like, there's a lot of like facets, and I think it fits pretty pretty nice into the like middle school age show. But again, because like okay, so like in the B affection episode, right? This stood out to me. Uh, first of all, very funny gag that Diana falls in love with herself because she Extremely falls in good. front of a mirror. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I also love that the the like love vision isn't everyone all sexy. It's like uncomfortably bishonen. Like <laughs> everyone just becomes really square and their eyes become really really shiny. Like and they get the sparkles. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like truly like a a, a very funny reference to, like nineties bishonen. But like Andrew's dad gets stung and falls in love with Akko. Like it, it just yeah. Like... So this is where we have to put Studio Trigger in jail for a moment because this episode had some shit in it and i don't trust studio trigger this is why this is why like i was like 
is this for kids? Because there's a lot of stuff in this particular episode that I was like, I don't know that we should normalize this for kids. Well, these are the people, I mean, like, again, Yo Yoshinari, like, this is the man who worked on Evangelion, where if I guess, you remember- yeah, fucking Ava, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ava fucking, what's-her-face, kisses Shinji on the mouth. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's basically Misato. like, we'll fuck later, yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, not great. Um, you know, the stuff with Rei, uh, not, not incredible. Bad, um, awful. Rei and Gendo, <laughs> Rei and Gendo stuff is very bad. Um, and like, I just, mm, I don't trust, like, famously, right? Like, I, I don't, it's been so long since I listened to our first episode where I was like, but I suspect we both brought up the fact that, like, you have to age anime characters up five years um, Which is because, tricky in a school setting like this. Yes, right. Like, you can do it with, like, Sailor Moon, and, like, Kill a, I mean, Kill a Kill's a school, but, like, is it really, you know what I mean? It's more like a... It, it's not. It's a fascist state. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, Sailor Moon, they're never in school. Like, you, you, yeah, don't, need to, yeah. you don't need to worry about them. But, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's, it's, you gotta age them up sometimes. But, like, there, there are, like, a couple things that really made me frustrated, right? Because, so, like, when they are shopping for dresses to go to this ball that, that Andrew's, uh, you know, getting hold, held in Andrew's honor, they, like, do this thing. They go to this local place and they're like, oh, okay, well, what, what, um, you know, outfits can, can we afford? And, like, they're, they show, like, a, you know, an outfit that, like, disintegrates. They give them, like, a baby outfit. Like not not like you know a diaper, thank Christ, but like you know like a like a onesie you would give for a literal infant, and they're like this is way too small, and then they do this thing, where they bring out which is a Playboy, it's a Playboy bunny outfit, and they in the in the shot previous because I checked because I was like there's no way they fucking did this, Akko does not have fucking bunny ears. And in the next shot, she has the bunny ears, and it's it's a Playboy bunny outfit. And I was like, y'all, are you sure about this? They're children. And I just, uh, right, I, right, we are, we are sliding on the edge of moral panic here in the United States. And I don't want to be a person to contribute to that. But, like, I don't like that. I think it's not great. And I don't trust Studio Trigger with their history. I think we do a really good job, especially lately, of, of distinguishing between holy shit this is awful how you how can you do this mm-hmm. and guys come on and this is very this is very like a guys come on like yes like i it's it's gross and it was unnecessary and like like what are you doing guys it is a joke made by people who are not accustomed to making children's media it's that that's not yes. a defense of it that's just yeah. what it is like again yeah. uh, i i mm, i man i'm really i really feel so so bad about the one time we went really really hard on <laughs> on uh fucking not shadow and bone um, cookie kingdom cookie kingdom not the, the other one the first one uh, six of crows six of crows i just i feel so terrible about six of crows and like we've grown so much since then but like i do feel like this is like this is something we should you know call out i think it deserves to be noted but not it's we shouldn't fucking burn studio trigger at the stake like like i said I don't, I mean, I don't think we're anywhere close to doing that. It's very, no. it's very, again, just like. It's just bad. Uh, and then when the, when you follow it up with the, like, there's a very brief moment where an adult man falls in love with, uh, with a 16 year old. Like, it's like, again, it's for kids. Like, I'm sure kids might think that's funny, but you know. I mean, at, at the very least, they didn't play it in earnestness like they did with, with Andrew. Like, it's very much played for comedy where yes, you could read that's, it That's a as, good point. You could read it as, like, you know, Akko, like, he, he starts to look at her. He doesn't even get the full chance to, like, have the spell affect him. And then Akko mm-hmm. smacks him in the forehead with that fucking feather duster. Yes. Um, and, like, you could, it, I think it's meant to elicit, like, an ew, gross reaction from kids. But, like, you know, I feel like as adults it makes us clench our ass a little bit in, in, yes. in good I, fairness. I, I think that's the best, like, again, we want to be rating, you know, talking about these things with, you know, you know, good intent. We, we are assuming good intent. Although Studio Trigger, like we said, you know, uh, I think they're on the nice. Um, for, Studio for, Trigger, for, hey, listen, they deserve, listen, excellent animation, very mm-hmm. interesting stories. Sometimes choices are made. I, you know, yes. <laughs> as a, yes. as a stan, um, I am, I am more than willing to admit that occasionally choices are made. Um, also, just like the fact that this started as like a fucking, like, 26 minute like thing in 2013 um and then it like you know got partially crown footed in 2015 and then netflix you know released this in 2017 the world is very different now than it was five years ago um 
So like, you know, we are we are bringing you know five five years of of uh, cultural perspective and, and change and conversation to this. So like, I don't like like brand brand new animal. Like none of this stuff came up whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like, I, I you know again they have learned and changed as well. So like, it, it, it like I don't want to fall back on the it was a different time defense, but. You know, it's not a defense. It's just an acknowledgement. You know what I mean? Like yes. It's, it's, yes. It's it. It is what it is. But yeah, it's. I try. I mean, like even Kill the Kill, I try to be very generous. Um, of you know, remembering that it was like ten years ago, and you know those there those seventeen year olds are showing a lot of underboob and like. You know, it's it's gross. But I think if I was this age in twenty twelve, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is nowhere near as bad as Kill the Kill. <laughs> Which I still stand uh, by Kill a Kill with with the full. I I can't in good conscience recommend it to anybody that isn't you because I just yes like, I love to torment you a little bit but like yeah that's this podcast's goal. Uh, but you know, um, I I myself am happy to rewatch it because I think it's goofy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, not here, sexualizing the teens. Yeah, I, I I would not look twice at somebody who is like yeah I think Little Witch Academia is my favorite. You know like media property for kids i would not love to hang out with somebody who's like yeah i know kill the kill is my favorite media property um of like my favorite anime i'd be like oh i don't know chief that's what i say about evangelion also as like yes, exactly 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 i don't know how much i've talked about my my emotional arc with uh evangelion on the show but like i love to i very complicated very nuanced feelings on that property and like sometimes i want to buy an art book so bad like i saw the 3.33 art book at kinokunia when i went to uh, on a trip to austin um last week or two weeks ago last week whatever it doesn't matter uh week and a half ago and um i like was i honest i swear to god i was about to buy it i was so close to buying it and i thought about it and i was like if i walked into someone's house and i saw evangelion paraphernalia i would be incredibly concerned I would have some very specific questions to ask. So, <laughs> like, I fully, I, yeah, same. I'm going to get you that art book, and I'm going to get you a book cover to go over it that just says, like, <laughs> you, you no, know, get me principles one of, those... of normal animation. Don't don't look at this. Get me, get me one of those stretchy middle school camo book covers. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only appropriate way to display your Evangelion paraphernalia <laughs> is if you censor it in your own household. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I you know you can do whatever you want in your own household, but if there are guests coming over, just make sure that you you cover your even kill in I next oh God, I swear to God, if I ever come to visit your house, I am I'm gonna hide some fucking No, <laughs> no, please. Some kill a kill nendoroids. <laughs> My parents are gonna come over and be like, huh, this is a very you know art you know art, artsy uh, figurine of Satsuki Kiriering, and I'm gonna be like <laughs> Oh no, I have to change my name. That's okay. There's a book on my shelf called My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, and I am very waiting for my mom to find it. <laughs> one day, one day. Okay, I think we've we fully lost yes. the plot. <laughs> yes, no, we, we spiraled, but this you know, this is a good conversation nonetheless. Um I, I do think we all come down pretty positive on Little Witch Academia. Uh, I'm glad that we have this project that's like, you know what? I did mainline eight episodes of this today. Um, so, like, you know, I- I'm glad that I have this project that just makes me finish media properties because, like, otherwise I would just bounce off of it. And I am I am better for having watched uh, LWA. So, thank you. Thank you, Layla. Um, thank me. It we- was your recommendation. Thank yourself. And thank you to me, of course, for inflicting this upon myself. I'm a moron. When we are not inflicting media upon each other uh, on recordings, uh, where can you find us inflicting media (laughs) upon other people on the internet? Hi, you can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. I just wrote an essay about um, interesting narrative choices in musicals. I talk about um, how the changes in the film adaptation of In the Heights I have some questions about. And I talk a little bit about Josh Groban's casting in Natasha Pierre and The Great Comedy of 1812. And uh, the choice uh, to make the villain in Anastasia the Communist Party, even though Anastasia is never historically accurate to begin with. Um, I know it sounds weird and niche, but I you I swear to you, it, it can apply to all of storytelling. Please read my essay. It's good. Listen, I, I read it. I've never seen any of those musicals, and I still had a good time. Um, 
you could find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and and writing stuff. Um, I uh, just released an essay on my personal website, that's aavoit.com, um, about uh, craft, uh, about the tipping point, the point where it's just like, ah, I gotta, I gotta tell, we're done with showing, um, which like, uh, in writing is, is much more difficult than in, than in visual media, because like, I, I want to say Little Witch Academia does a pretty good job of not loading you down with backstory, um, uh, you know, shout outs, um, but yeah, if you're interested in like a writing craft thing, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not a published author really, so like, take it all with a grain of salt, but, uh, I had a good time writing that, um, and uh, I think it's time to add a line to our outro. Uh, you can find both of us again on our new bi-weekly show, Simple and Green, a guided introduction to Kingdom Hearts, which we do with our friend Josh Green. Yes, uh, me and Josh and Josh's brother Michael also do a podcast um, called Bible Boys. Um, and we're gonna be ta- we talked about the, um, the Eyes of Tammy Faye last week. And I think we're going to talk about an interview with God uh this week so that'll be pretty wild uh check that out uh josh and michael are good people and uh simple and green is gonna be buck wild um our theme song is obsolete is obsolete by Keshko from the album filmmakers reference kit volume two you can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com layla what do we say uh, to um aaron i i Fuck, I can't think of anything, and uh, shit, you must think I planned this. I, I really, really don't. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.